am so excited that you are here. Welcome to the Geriatric Mom Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Nefertiti Pointer, but you can just call me Nefertiti. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. This is my debut podcast under the title, The Geriatric Mom Podcast. And by now, I hope you have listened to my introduction so you understand that for me, geriatric mom comes from the terminology I was given when I got married at 38, had my first born baby at 41, and my husband and I were in the doctor's, uh, in the hospital room, and um, there was a piece of paper we had to sign, and under my name and some other information, I saw the term geriatric, and I said to my husband, they have this in the wrong room, because I don't know who they're talking about. I'm not geriatric. Well, I soon found out that any mother giving birth after the age of 35 is considered geriatric. And so I used to be really, 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 really offended by that title. And so instead of uh, getting offended, I'm taking my power back and I'm turning it around and I'm inviting you into a community where this geriatric mom is going to take her 20 plus years of experience as a teacher, as a professional uh, developer, a developer a provider of professional development around early learning, how to build children's strong emotional skills, and we're going to do this thing together. And so I promised you, I promise you I'm going to be, um, I'm going to give you everything I have. I know you don't have a lot of time, and so if you're listening to me on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, you should come over to YouTube because, just because you should. If you're already here on YouTube, this is what you get. Some days I'm going to put on some more makeup. Some days I might have some different clothes on. But listen, but I always promise you that I'll give you the absolute best that I have. The conversations are designed to start to create conversation, um, share some awareness, and then get you on about your day with excitement about our next time that we can be together. So let's not go any further. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, today's topic is about how to talk to young people about death. And I am choosing this as my first podcast episode because what I think I'm going to do a lot of the time is as life happens for me, I'm going to come before you and we're going to talk about this and do this thing together. And so I want to talk to you again today about how to talk to young people about death. So about almost a month ago now at the time of this recording, my mom and my daughter and I were um, in Arizona on our way to Arizona uh, for a work trip. I like to be able to mix a little business with pleasure whenever I can. And we were on our way to Arizona. And we got a phone call from my aunt who let me know that um, my cousin was found unresponsive, um, dead, on his living room couch. So let's let let that just sink in for a second. I'm on my I'm at the I think we're at the Charlotte Airport at this point, and we get a phone call that my cousin has passed away. So just in that same week, we are um, honoring and and giving memory to the sixth anniversary of my brother's passing, which happened in this same window of time again six years ago. And so my mother and I are in shock. Um, disbelief and at the same time we're trying to make sure we are at the right gate it has been a a day from he double hockey sticks in terms of travel so you know it's a lot going on 
And then my sister-in-law calls me and she says, T, I think you, you got to make sure you tell Madison, who is my eight-year-old, she said, because my nephews, my, my nephews know. And she said, I don't want Madison to hear about Buddy. That's what we call him, affectionately called Buddy. We don't want her to hear about Buddy's passing from her cousins. And I was like, you know, you're right. So we get through the rest of our flight. We get to the hotel. We get to the airport. Um, I'm keeping Madison off of any devices where uh, her cousins might be able to sneak in and get to her. And then the next morning before I began my training, which I don't feel like being excited. I don't feel like sharing stories with people. I don't feel like talking to people today, the day that I have to do this training. But um, that's what I'm there for, so i, I got to do the work. And so I said, Madison... Um, Come with mommy. Let's go get something from Starbucks. That really should have let Madison know that something was wrong because mommy does not pay for Starbucks. <laughs> so we're on our way to Starbucks and I said to Madison, um, Madison, do you know how when we talk about Uncle Kayan, Uncle Kayan uh, is my brother. I said, you know how when we talk about Uncle Kayan and we say his body stopped working? She said, yeah. I said, well, we got a phone call yesterday from Aunt Jackie, and Aunt Jackie told us that Buddy's body stopped working. So my eight-year-old looked up at me and said, Mom, are you trying to tell me Buddy is dead? <laughs> yes, Madison, that's what I'm trying to tell you. And in that moment, she started to, she froze, she froze. Uh, she got real quiet, and then all of a sudden, she let out a tiny bit of a scream, and she just really started crying. And we stopped walking, and we found a little seat, and I just held her, and I said to her, oh, it's okay. Your feelings are okay, and, you know, she went on and on and on, and um, once she got herself together, it took about five minutes, it took about five minutes, um, we, we wiped our tears, and we said a little prayer together. And then we walked to Starbucks and paid $12 for a drink. <laughs> when we got back to the hotel room, my mother was, you know, still processing everything that's going on. And I could tell she had been crying again. And I pulled her aside and told her, my mother, I said, I told Madison what happened. And uh, I gave her a little debrief of how, how things went. I told my mother we're going to have to pay very attention, pay very much attention to how we process because Madison will um, undoubtedly pick up some of her feelings around this from us. And my mother said, Nefertiti, I'll do the best I can. I'll do the best I can. So I um, am getting ready to go upstairs to do my training. And Mad I tell Madison that, you know, I'll, I'll check in. I'll see her later. And she said, Mom, can we pray before you go? I said, absolutely. Now, one of the things I want you to know about this geriatric mother, I don't know how to do this without my faith and my trust in God. And so my adherence to the teachings of the Bible. And so if that uh, conversation is one that you welcome, then you're in the right place. If that's not necessarily a conversation that you welcome, then you're just going to have to understand that sometimes, a lot of times, I'm going to be straight forth with you and tell you I don't know how to parent 
without, again, my relationship with Christ. And so you got to know that about me. When my eight-year-old said, Mom, can we pray before you leave? Yes, we can pray. She gathered me and my mom in a circle. She said a little prayer, and I went upstairs to do my training. And so days pass, and Madison cries a little bit, and then she finds herself being happy again. And she said, Mommy, my feelings are all over the place. She said, one time I feel really happy, and then the next moment I feel super sad. I said, guess what, honey bunny? You're doing it. You are doing a great job. You are processing, and that is amazing. And then she said to me, Mom, I want to go to Buddy's funeral. Now, up until that point, I wasn't sure if I wanted to even consider having her go to Buddy's funeral. But this is when this geriatric mom puts on her child development hat and I said, life and death are going to be a part of her life. I don't want to shield her from this understanding. I want to meet her where she is. And if she wants to go, then her village is going to support her in that effort. And so she said, I need a black dress. Okay, let's get you a black dress. And on the day of the funeral, she again was ready to go. Um, sometimes prior to that, every picture she had of, of our, my cousin, her second cousin, she had with her. One Sunday, we were on our way to church. I forgot my cell phone. She said, oh, okay, mom, I forgot something too. What did she forget? She forgot her picture of her and her cousin, and she took it to church with her. And so, again, let me just, I share these stories because you're either going to have to deal with this in the life of your child, or you already have. And I just want to make sure you feel like you know what to do. Because, again, life and death are going to be a part of our children's lives. It's what we teach them about it that is going to set the precedence for how they move forward. And so... The day of the funeral comes and, you know, it's, um, it's a real celebration of life. It really is a celebration of life. I don't think I could have asked for a better day for my cousin, for my aunt, for the family. It was truly was a celebration of life. And, you know, Madison is getting antsy. She got a little bit uncomfortable when we were doing the viewing of the body. She got a little bit uncomfortable, as I think we all would. Uh, and then we were just a few seats from the front of the coffin before my aunt went to close it as she said her final goodbyes. Um, and then as the funeral is going on, many people are giving stories uh, about their life uh, with my cousin. And Madison looked up at me and said, Mom, does everybody say something at a funeral? And I said, no. You know, people who want to say something about the person uh, can go up and say something. And Madison said, I want to say something. So I whispered to my husband, Madison says she wants to say something. And we both looked at each other like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, uh-oh. And so then I said to myself, I can't deny her that, right? She says she wants to say something. I didn't ask her what you want to say. We didn't rehearse it. I said, okay. So more people went up, and, and I was hoping that she would change her mind and wouldn't want to do it. But a few minutes later, um, I walked her to the front. And that 8-year-old did an amazing job. She did an amazing job honoring her cousin, reflecting about her experiences with him, 
talking to my aunt and giving her her well wishes. She did a great job. Madison is going to join me at the end of this recording. I have her permission to share this. And so um, after I finish with my few additional points, Madison's going to join me. So you can hear from her how she processed and what she's done to um, handle death for the first time as a young person. And so here we are. My first podcast, I could have taken on any topic, and I decided that I wanted to do something with my audience, our audience, on how to talk to young people about death. It went better than I could have asked for with my young person. I'm going to say to you that if you have to do this, when you have to do this, a lot of it will have to do with how you're doing. And you may look at me and say, well, Nefertiti, that's the part. I don't even know. I think I don't know how I would be. So how would I do it with my child? Well, you, if you stick around for the Geriatric Mom podcast uh, upcoming episodes, you're going to hear me say this more than once. I've always believed that it takes a village to raise a child. But being a co-parent of three beautiful children, being a auntie to some amazing young people, being a godparent to some amazing young adults, it has taught me that our children don't just need a village, but our children need a healthy village. Was in, when I was in the classroom, my children had a village. But so many instances, the lack of health in that village made it difficult for my students to just be three and four and five and six and seven. And so I'll say to you today, when you're handling anything that comes to how you handle your children, you have to make sure you're thinking about where you are first. I am okay with death because I am learning and have learned, especially dealing with the death of my little brother and my father, that life and death is going to happen to all of us. What it has taught me is that you better make sure you're taking really good care of people while you can. So that when it is time to say goodbye to those individuals, it will be a celebration of life and you can say, I'll see you soon. So taking care of yourself and being aware of where you are as you support your young person is one of the first things I want you to think about. Let me give you a few other things to think about and then I'm going to bring in the conversation that I had with Madison. All right, one of my first suggestions when you're thinking about talking to young people about death is to be straightforward. And you may say, Nefertiti, this feels like a time where I would want to protect my child. You are protecting them by not having, by not creating a space where they got to figure out what happened. Did you hear the language that I used when we talked to, uh, when we talked to Madison about death? As actually my sister-in-law who introduced me to this language when we were telling our, our young people in our life about the loss of my brother. Daddy's body stopped working is what my sister-in-law told my children, my nephews. I thought that was such great language because that's what happens when a person dies. Their body has stopped working. And so again, throughout your time with me during this podcast, you can take from it what works for you and you can leave what doesn't work. My suggestion, my first suggestion for you when you're talking to your people, your young people about death, is you can use terminology such as their body stopped working. 
And this is also thinking about child development. Again, we can't tackle all of that and all of that in this first uh, experience. But if you come on back, a lot of what you're going to hear me talk about is meeting your child's developmental stages. You may have a six-year-old who's developmentally three. And so you have to talk to that child like they're three. You also may have a six-year-old who's going on 46. <laughs> you still want to be aware of where they are developmentally. And again, keep coming back. We'll talk some more about that. But the first thing I want to say when you're talking to children about death, don't let them have to figure out what you're saying. Use clear language. My suggestion is language that sounds a little bit like their body stopped working. Even if you have to describe the death of somebody who has been hurt by the doing of somebody else. You understand what I mean when I say that? We have our natural causes of death, but we also have when somebody makes a wrong choice and they take another person's life. You can still use terminology that says the person's body stopped working. The next thing that I want you to think about, and this was, um, again, I might be a geriatric mom, but I'm so thankful that I know a lot of what I'm doing. I often say a younger version of Nefertiti would have messed some of this up, and I've only been doing it for eight years in the way that I'm doing it with the person that I brought into the world. Again, I've shared my life as a teacher. I have amazing bonus children and nieces and nephews and godchildren, but Madison, again, is, the, is eight at the time of my first podcast. Um, creating a space where questions could be asked and answered was very important to me so as soon as Madison as soon as I dried her eyes a little bit I said to her do you have any questions for mommy you know one of the one of the things we have to make very clear when we say the body stopped working the person is not coming back you know the person's not coming back my faith and our teachings of death to Madison um, she was one of the first things she said after I said, do you have any questions? She said, well, does Buddy get to see his dad now and Uncle Kaya because he's on his way to heaven or he's already there? And I take that back. She didn't ask me those questions. She told me that. She did not pose them to me as questions. She actually gave it back to me like that, which, again, makes me so proud of her. But the second thing we did after we, uh, we dried her tears was to create space for asking of questions. And once again, this is when you have to make sure you're ready. And you can say, you know what, that's a great question. Daddy, did, Mom and Dad aren't sure of that answer. Or Auntie or Grandma, whoever is listening to me and having this conversation, if you don't know the answer, you can read books together, you can Google and research answers. The key word is together. Work to answer those questions together. So use simple language and create a space for safety of asking and answering questions related to this experience. The next thing I want us to think about is to make sure that your child feels as if all of their feelings are welcomed. All right. I watched Madison over the duration of our time in Arizona. She really was happy and excited and playful one moment. And then she got really quiet. And one morning she didn't want to wake up. And you know what? We let her have all those feelings. And you, again, can use simple language that says all of your feelings are okay. And sometimes I like to say to her, feelings are like visitors. They knock on your door. They come in and they sit down on your couch. And then they leave sometimes too. And sometimes visitors stay for a long, long, long time. And then some visits are really quick. 
But guess what? All of your feelings are okay. And we're all here if ever you need to talk about it. So are we making, is this making sense so far? Again, if you're listening to me on YouTube, I hope that this is um, a video that is informative, but also helping you smile a little bit. And if you're listening to me in an audio format, again, come over onto YouTube because, um, I don't know, just because. <laughs> just because. The final thing that I want to make sure that we talk about is being available. Being available. You're going to have to do something that's called in the, the teaching profession, in the body of education, it's called parallel processing. Again, in this Geriatric Mom podcast, I'm going to introduce to you terms that are sometimes coming from education, but I think we need those to really understand what's happening to us as parents. You're doing this thing called parallel processing. You're processing your feelings and emotions while your child is doing the same thing. There's that parallel. And this is why how you handle yourself is going to be so important because it sets the precedence for how the child will process. And so again, you say, Nefertiti, if I'm scared or frustrated or angry, am I not supposed to show that to my child? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But you got to be careful of how much you put that on their, on your child. Your child is already dealing with their own para, their processing. So I got mine and I got, um, no, 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 no. Be careful of how much you pour onto them, understanding they have their own processing that's happening. And so let's go back for a second. How to talk to young people about death. And this podcast is particularly particularly for our young babies. You know, uh, early elementary school. Middle and high school and even young adults could benefit from some of what we talked about today if you're dealing with them. But they have a little bit more maturity, a little bit more development. They can understand things a little bit more. I wanted to offer this podcast for those of us who have young, young people in our lives. And we have to explain death to them. So first things first, use very simple language. Use very simple language. Next thing. Allow a create, allow and create a safe space for all emotions. There's no man up here. There's no, it's going to be okay, stop crying. We want to be careful of that language. Tears are expression and we want them to do that. So let it come. Let them come. Let those feelings and emotions come. My third suggestion is to make sure you create a space for the asking and answering of questions. And my fourth suggestion is to make sure you are available. Make sure you're available. Now again, if for any reason you're feeling like what you're seeing happening in your child is not working, um, you're not comfortable with, with what you're seeing, this is when your pediatrician should be brought into the, the support. Your pediatrician is part of the village. And if you say, Nefertiti, I don't really like my pediatrician. Well, in another podcast, we're going to talk about how important it is that you do have a pediatrician that you trust and understand and who has cultural understanding of who you are and, and your family makeup. I want us to make sure we're doing this and doing it well. And so if you feel like your student, your student, if you feel like your child needs more, then start to get the help that they need. Again, life and death are a part of your child's life. And so I'm now going to invite Madison into the conversation. Hang on for just a few minutes. And she explains to us how this went 
from her perspective. Hello. <laughs> so, I already told everybody that I have your permission to talk a little bit more about how it felt to experience death for the first time, right? So, I told them that um, I told, well, what I would like your help with is um, what would you want people to know or understand or what did you learn about as we, um, you know, had to deal with Buddy's death? So what kind of things would you want people to know from like an eight-year-old's perspective? Well, it was really hard looking at him when he was in the coffin, mm -hmm. but he had a smile on his face. He did, yeah. And me and my grandmother were crying hard and and like, my first time experiencing death because like it's my first time going to a funeral and my mom's brother he's my uncle and I didn't get to go because I was like too young Correct. and me and my did Arcogo? No none of the kids went to, to that funeral. None of the kids went and well Arkel, KJ and the rest of the boys got to experience death all together with me and it was hard because, like, well, it's okay. The first, when I first saw him in the coffin, I was like, try to try to keep my tears. In. <laughs> but mom said that I could keep that, that tears are okay, yeah. and. When I went to, when we were, we were, when we, it was our turn to look at Buddy, I looked at him and said, hmm, how did you die at this certain age? Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I still have pictures of him, and I think I have one in my book bag. I'll be right back. I'm going to go get one. <laughs> okay. It is still recording. Oh. And yeah. You have a picture? Here's the picture. <laughs> Here's the picture of me and Buddy at my aunt's house. I think we were celebrating Christmas, mm -hmm. and we made cookies together. So, um, let me think. Is there anything else we want people to know? Um, for Or do you have a question for me that, that I need to answer? Okay, let me see. Do I have a question? Um, if there was another 8-year-old or a younger child that had to had to deal with death, what would you say to them? Like, mommy's been talking to the grown-ups, but if you could talk to another child your age about death, what would you say to them? Now, one thing I did hear you say to to me the other day is that, and you said this when you talked to Buddy, where is Buddy now? Where, what did you say? He gets to go where? Where is he now? With his dad and the rest of his ancestors. With the rest of the ancestors. And I also, you described the, the place where he is. What did you tell me it looks like? Gold streets, and he gets to live wherever he wants. He's got gold streets, and he gets to live wherever he wants. And mom had to go to a funeral today, and, you know, the person said, um, but the person said, we don't have to live without the person. We can still live with the person. We can live with the person. Um, sense of humor, we can live with the person's thoughts, we can still live with the person because where does the person live? In our heart. In our heart. In our heart. And so And in our memories. And in our memories, that's right. I thought it was really important for mom to talk to the grown ups about how to support their children if they're dealing with death. But 
I'm so proud of the way that you handled it. You are doing a really, really good job. Sometimes you're sad, and that's okay, right? And sometimes you feel like crying, and that's okay, right? And then sometimes thinking a buddy makes us smile because we have such silly moments and memories <laughs> of him, right? And so I thank you for the way you have been scared and brave and courageous and that we've done it together, right? Don't tell anyone that I, when I said that, um, a few minutes later we're in the in a, uh, play place. What did you say? I don't know. I might have to cut it out of the video, but what did you say? You're not going to say it? You're not going to say it? All right. I don't even know what she's talking about, y'all, so. I set out. Let's go ahead. Oh, you can tell everybody that. That's fine. Tell them what you said. I was scared. Scared is okay, right? All your feelings are okay. And because, like, I kept hearing Greek, so I was like... Where? Like, it sounds like it was in the slide, and I was like, nope. You're talking about it at the... All right, y'all, I'm going to let you go, because Madison is now talking about stuff that has nothing to do with our conversation. But that's the life of an eight-year-old, and so I thank you. I'm very, very, very proud of you, and hopefully our podcast episode will help somebody else. And I hope... Um, can I say this? Go ahead and say it. Help us. How many subscribers do you have on your channel? I don't have. I don't know how many subscribers I have, but you want to help. You want to. You want our channel to grow. Yes. Okay. Tell the Please people. Please get get <laughs> get us to one million subscribers. Ooh, one million subscribers. And if you get one million subscribers, we're gonna send out a big post for all of you that are watching. I think we could do that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Madison. Thank you, listeners. If this video and or audio has helped you in any way, please don't keep it to yourself. Share it with somebody else so that we can continue to make sure our village is healthy. Come back for more. This was our first Geriatric Mom podcast, but there will be more. Like, follow, subscribe, and I'll talk to you soon.